Hello and welcome to a special Christmas Eve episode of the Reincarnated Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Stishon, and once again, I'm bringing you another one of the scariest, creepiest, and most skin-crawling tales of terror that the Golden Age of Radio had to offer. For this week's Christmas Eve episode, we turn to a series that drifted more toward the realm of mystery, but not without its fair share of hair-raising moments, The Whistler which saw its very successful West Coast run go from May 16, 1942, until September 22, 1955. Today, the cast of Joey Moray, Liz Kinder, and myself reincarnate Letter from Cynthia, which originally aired on Christmas Day, 1949. So turn off the lights, gather round, and if you get scared, just remember, these tales scared your grandpappy first, and enjoy the Reincarnated Radio Podcast. To the holiday staff on duty at the small hospital on the outskirts of a small town on the coast of Southern California, Christmas night was much like any other night. Not quite, of course, for the spirit of the season was in the air. A tree austerely, but beautifully decorated, in a motif of silver and white, stood majestically alone in the center of the reception lobby. The attractive receptionist at the desk, who doubled on the switchboard at night, glanced eagerly at a dozen festively wrapped packages left for her earlier in the day by various members of the staff. From the church across the street, the soft melody of a Christmas carol floated through a half-open window on the far side. The sound of footsteps ascending the stairs on the right caused the girl to glance up as one of the newer doctors who was serving his internship strolled casually to the desk. Thought I'd come down for a little breather. Kind of slow tonight, Patty. Is that bad for Christmas night? What do you want from Santa Claus anyway, Dr. Andrews? A couple of emergency appendectomies? <laughs> no, I didn't mean that. I just meant it's kind of... Ah, oh, sure, I know, and it suits me fine. I got two hours sleep today, and eight hours in front of me here at this desk. Oh, that's bad, Patty. You'll never see your grandchildren if you keep that up. Oh, people were dropping in all day long. You know how it is Christmas Day. Good night, Patty. Hope you had a nice Christmas. Oh, I did, Dr. Peters. Thanks for the nice present. You're welcome. Good night, Doctor. Night, Doc. Good night, Neil. Yeah, Patty, it's like I said. A gal like you needs eight hours of sleep a day. Did you get eight hours sleep today, doctor? Ten. <laughs> <laughs> you would. You know, you're an odd man, Dr. Andrews. Odd? Well, how do you mean? I mean, I don't know. You act like there's something bothering you. Like there's something on your mind all the time. Well, maybe there is. Well, everybody has things on their mind. You could still go out and dance and have fun like the other doctors do. The single ones, I mean. Too busy. I'm still an intern, you know. <laughs> you make it sound like a sentence. Yes? Outside line? Yes, sir. Oh, here, doctor, I almost forgot. Hmm, a letter. When did this come? I don't know. I just came on duty ten minutes ago. Why don't you open it? Why, Dr. Andrews, your hands are trembling. I believe your viewpoint has changed already. Yes, Neil, your hands are trembling as you recognize the handwriting and read the return address on the envelope, the address of lovely Cynthia Walker. She's out of your life now, 
isn't she, Neil? No, she'll never be out of your life, will she? You're just out of hers. You walk across the lobby, choose a chair near the light, and stare into space for a moment, the memory of that last moment with Cynthia crowding every other thought from your mind. It isn't pleasant to recall, is it, Neil? The unfortunate accident that cost you your reputation, your position, and the love of Cynthia Walker. At the very beginning of your career, as an intern in a very important hospital, you remember Cynthia's thoughtless, angry words that followed. Yes, looking back to that day more than a year ago, it's hard to believe now that a few hours could have made so much different in your future. But they did. And as you try to read the words on the scrap of paper, Cynthia's letter in your hand, you know that one man is responsible for it all, Charles Arthur Bennett, the man who lied when the truth would have cleared you, Charles Arthur Bennett, the man who called himself your best friend. The sound of an ambulance wheeling into the receiving room below shatters your train of thought. Across the room, a yellow light flashes on the switchboard. You turn quickly back to the letter. Yes, he's here. Yes, certainly, doctor. Yes, doctor, I'll make out the registration card right away. Oh, Dr. Andrews. Yes, Pat? Admitting room? No, Miss Stevens is busy. 412 has had a relapse. They're taking the emergency to the third floor. Dr. Graham wants you to go to the third floor drug room. Uh, what kind of accident? Car crash. Traumatic and hemorrhagic shock. Patient very weak. Dr. Graham wants you to prepare injections of fentanyl and atropine. Take them to the operating room, third floor. Right. I was afraid we might have one of these before the day was over. Did you get any of the details? No, only that it was an automobile accident. Man's unconscious, but according to the identification card in his wallet, his name is Charles Bennett, salesman. Who did you say? Bennett. Charles Arthur Bennett. Los Angeles. Yes, Neil. It's a shock. To realize what's happened? For more than a year, your resentment of Charlie Bennett has smoldered. And now the girl at the switchboard tells you he's here in the hospital where you're now interning, the victim of an automobile accident, that you have to prepare the drugs that might save his life. Might save his life. As you hurry up to the stairs along the hallway to the laboratory, your thoughts go back to that night more than a year ago. The circumstances were quite different then, weren't they, Neil? Because, although you didn't realize it, that night, you were at the mercy of Charlie Bennett. The night which began at a birthday party for Charlie Bennett more than a year ago at the home of a mutual friend. But as far as you were concerned, there were just the three of you. Cynthia, Charlie, your best friend, and you. Yes, Neil, things were much different then. <laughs> it's a wonderful party. I wish I didn't have to leave right in the middle of it. Well, if you must, you must. I'll drive you home. No, darling. I've already phoned for a taxi. Now, this is the first time you've been off-duty from the hospital in a long time. I want you to stay here and relax. Have fun. Okay, but I might get into trouble, you know. <laughs> I trust you. You're a big boy now, or I wouldn't have told you I'd marry you. Did you tell Charlie? No. No, not yet. I'll, I'll tell him tomorrow. I don't want to seem conceited, but... Telling him tonight that I'm going to marry you, it just might spoil his birthday party. Yes, it would. By the way, where is Charlie? Oh, he's around. Over in the corner, I think. That island completely surrounded by an ocean of blondes. 
<laughs> well, I wouldn't think of invading that territory just to tell him goodnight. You tell him for me, will you, Neil? Sure. Do you really have to go? I'm afraid so. Jane's only in town for the night, and I don't get to see my sister very often. My taxi ought to be here by now. Now it's your night off, dear. You have fun. You interns don't get out of that hospital often enough. And besides, the champagne's wonderful. Anything you say, darling. Reluctantly, you see Cynthia into a cab. You come back to the birthday party for Charlie, and you take Cynthia's advice. You enjoy a little champagne, make party talk with the other friends, and you do have a good time. You are relaxed for the first time in weeks. In another hour or two, most of the crowd is gone, and finally you even convince Charlie that it's time to go home. And in the lobby going out... Why don't you leave your car here, Charlie, and go home in style like I am? What do you mean in style? Leave your car here and get a taxi. Hey, well, what's the idea? I can drive. Oh, don't tell me the good doctor's feeling a little champagne. <laughs> oh, no, not really, but I just don't want to do any driving, that's all. Well, you don't have to do any. A little bit of champagne never bothered me. We live close to each other. We'll use your car, and I'll pick mine up in the morning. I'd sure rather take a taxi. Oh, there aren't any taxis around. There's a stand about three blocks away. Not at night, Neil. Besides, you'll need your car to get to the hospital in the morning. Come on, Neil boy, I'm okay. All right, if you're sure, let's go. Uh, but take it easy now. Once in the car, you make one more effort to talk Charlie out of driving, but to no avail. You're getting a little weary of the slight argument, so you let him drive your car. After the first few blocks, you decide you have nothing to worry about. Charlie seems to be driving satisfactorily, slightly over the speed limit, but everything seems to be alright, until he suddenly turns the corner sharply. That's the last thing you remember for a while. When you open your eyes... You feel a dizziness, a dull pain at your temple. <sighs> and someone's talking somewhere. Hey, come on now, fella, come on. That's it, come on, boy, come on. Where are you hurt? Hurt? No, no, officer. I, um... Ah, uh, not much, I guess, huh? Just a bump on the head? That lamppost made quite an impression on your car, though. What's the idea driving like that? Uh, me driving? Charlie was driving. Oh, right. Charlie was driving. Yeah, he's... gone. He sure is. You're a little on the woozy side there, friend. Uh, but Charlie, where's Charlie? Come on, chum, come on. That's enough about Charlie. Now, how much have you had to drink, anyway? I haven't had much to drink. Now, look here, officer. Charlie was here. I know he was here. No one was here, chum. I heard the crash around the corner and came straight here. No Charlie, no nobody. Uh, but he couldn't have gone- That's all, chum. We got a swell place downtown here where you can sleep it off. It's like a nightmare, isn't it, Neil? You're bewildered and confused by what's happened. It's all a mistake, isn't it? A horrible mistake. And Charlie will show up soon and explain everything. Then you're booked at police headquarters and spend the rest of the night pacing back and forth in jail. Finally, in the early morning... Someone is there to put up your bail. Hello, Cynthia. Hello, Neil. I came as quickly as I could. Thanks. 
Thanks for springing me. Come along, Neil. I'll drive you home. How did you find out I was here? The whole story is in the morning paper, and it mentions your connection with the hospital, too. Yeah, I suppose so. Dr. Rogers called me about it. He, uh, he was quite concerned. Well, he needn't have been. We'll get this whole thing cleared up in no time. No time at all. I hope so, Neil. Sure, just as soon as I see Charlie Bennett. Charlie? Yeah, he'll tell them what really happened. He was driving the car. It was all his fault. I was just... What's the matter, Cynthia? Why are you looking at me like that? Why, I... I've already talked with Charlie. Then he told you how it really happened. Charlie said he wasn't with you last night when it happened. He took a cab. He went home alone. It leaves you stunned, doesn't it, Neil? You're certain there must be some mistake. But once Charlie understands how much it means to you, he'll realize what happened and tell the truth. It's too late to prevent the unfavorable publicity for the hospital, but at least you can be cleared in Dr. Rogers' eyes and in Cynthia's. You see Cynthia home, then take a taxi directly to Charlie's apartment. He isn't there, but the desk clerk lets you in, and you settle down to wait and to think. Nearly two hours later, a key sounds in the door. Neil! Oh, hiya, pal. Why didn't you, uh, tell me you were coming? I would have waited. I didn't plan on it. The desk clerk let me in. You talked to Cynthia on the phone this morning, didn't you, Charlie? Cynthia? Yeah. Crack of dawn. Naturally, she was worried about you. Naturally. And what did you tell her? Oh, so that's what's worrying you, huh? Well, I, uh, I didn't really mean to do it, Neil, but I had to. Look, Charlie, I'm trying to give you a chance to explain. Okay, okay, no reason to get sore. You lied to Cynthia. Why? Well, I told you I had to. You know, as a salesman, I have to drive a car to make a living. What has that got to do with it? Only everything, that's all. Look, Neil, I didn't bother to mention it to anyone, but I was in a scrape three weeks ago. I got hauled up for driving under the weather, and I got off with a fine and a warning that time. Wait a minute. You mean you deliberately let me take the rap for your accident last night? Well, I, I tell you, I couldn't help it. Do you know what a spot this has put me in? The hospital has a reputation they're pretty jealous of, you know. Sure, and I've got a job. I think you'd better put down that drink and put your coat back on, Charlie. Why? Because you're coming with me to explain to Dr. Rogers, then we're going together to see Cynthia. Ah, oh, what good would that do? It's all over now, Neil. You mean you're refusing? I mean... I went home in a taxi last night, alone. Told my story once, and I don't see anything to gain by changing it now. Suddenly it occurs to you that Charlie has a more important reason for lying. His job is only part of it. He's always wanted to marry Cynthia, despite your long friendship. He believes anything's fair in love and war. It's as simple as that. And with you out of the way, he's sure he'll have a clear field. And Cynthia, after all of this, what about Cynthia, Neil? You have to be sure. Can you be sure of Cynthia now? Neil, I, I just can't understand it. You don't believe me, do you? Uh, but you do believe Charlie. Why would he lie about a thing like this? Because with me out of the way, he thinks he could marry you. Neil, I've known Charlie for years. He wouldn't do a thing like that. Besides, he's your best friend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's proved that, hasn't he? 
Are you forgetting that Charlie wasn't found in the wreck? That you were? You all alone. Your story is, well, too fantastic. The police don't believe it, and Charlie says it couldn't have been that way. And you, Cynthia? What do you say? What can I say? Do you think I want to believe this? And Dr. Rogers and the hospital, what do they say? Naturally, I resigned. Couldn't do anything else. I don't blame them for what they think, any of them. But I know I'm right. And I guess there's no use in going over all that again. Neil, you're, you're not going, are you? Well, why not? I don't seem to be getting anywhere. What's going to happen, Neil? Will you... Do you think you'll be able to get an internship somewhere else? Yes, I think so. I'm just as qualified as I ever was. My previous record was good, and I've learned a lot. Sorry, this has been too much for you, Cynthia. I haven't said it has been too much for me at you all. You wouldn't consider marrying a man you didn't believe, would you? I want to believe you, Neil. More than I ever wanted to believe anything. Well, maybe you will someday. But you'll learn the truth. And when you do, let me know. Yes. It all happened more than a year ago, didn't it, Neil? You cut off all contact with your friends in Los Angeles. You've often wondered if Cynthia ever married Charlie. And every time you've wondered, your hatred toward him grew deeper. You've often thought of killing him, haven't you? Often. And now, on Christmas night, more than a year later... In a small, out-of-the-way hospital, fate places the life of Charlie Bennett squarely in your hands. The switchboard operator has told you that he's in the operating room, unconscious, seriously injured in an auto accident, and you've been assigned to prepare the medication which will spell life or death for him. Just a little too much, or not quite enough. It's almost too easy, isn't it? Not the slightest suspicion will be attached to you. You smile as you enter the drug room, and find another intern there. What's the emergency, Neil? Car wreck. You assisting? No, just preparing the fentanyl and atropine shots. Well, it must have been a pretty bad accident. Yeah, I've heard so. Did you ever stop to think about the power of these drugs? Just the right amount means almost certain recovery. And too much, or too little, oblivion. Do you always get this philosophical at Christmas? No, but I guess this case made me think about it more than usual. You see... I know the guy. Oh, a friend? You said it. What a friend. Hmm. Kind of an unusual situation, isn't it? A very unusual situation. Well, Neil, the die is cast, isn't it? You've donned your sterile mask and gown and prepared the injections, carried them to the operating room, where you placed them on the instrument tray without even a glance at the masked, sheet-covered patient. You note Dr. Graham's nod of dismissal and quietly leave the operating room where Charlie Bennett's chance for life or death lies squarely in your hands. You never dreamed you'd have such an opportunity, did you, Neil? After removing your mask and gown, you return to the hallway and wait by a window near the operating room. As the melody from the church drifts in through the partially open window, you wonder whether you're glad or sorry of what you've done. Then you remember the disgrace Charlie Bennett brought on you, your shattered hopes, the happiness you might have had with Cynthia, and you know the answer. Even if you could, you wouldn't change the situation in the slightest. You pause under a ceiling light, 
and decide to finish Cynthia's letter. And now, as another Christmas approaches, I realize how hasty I seemed in my judgment. Suddenly, your heart beats faster as you realize that she's still Miss Cynthia Walker. You can almost hear the words as the melody of her voice haunts your memory. But you were even more hasty in your action. Your sudden, abrupt leaving, not letting me know where you were. I know now how wrong I was to doubt you. But even when my doubts were deepest, I loved you. You told me once a woman loves in spite of a man's weakness, not because of his strength. Remember, Neil? Well, so it was, and is, with me and you. I haven't changed, and I can't believe that you have. Merry Christmas, Cynthia. You turn away and stare out the window. Suddenly you're horrified and ashamed that you, a doctor, bound by the sacred oath of Hippocrates, have allowed your hatred of Charlie Bennett to bring you to the point that it did. Finally, the door to the operating room opens. The still form is wheeled silently past you. You continue to stare out the window. You light a cigarette and wait for Dr. Graham to emerge from the operating room. As he opens the operating room door and enters the hallway, you slowly walk towards him. How's the patient, doctor? Well, the patient's going to be all right. Glad you are around. Fentanyl's a godsend. Now, uh, may I have one of your uh, cigarettes there, Andrews? Oh, sure, doctor. Thank you. Wish fentanyl had been available when I first started practice. As a matter of fact, I wish I were young like you. Just beginning. Ah, uh, you're going to be a great doctor one day, Andrews. Will I? Mm-hmm. Sure of it. You're honest. Duty comes first with you. Why, you could no more abate it than commit murder. No, I guess I couldn't. But I almost made a terrible mistake a little while ago. A mistake that could have been fatal to your patient. But you didn't. No, and I don't think I'll ever be tempted to make a simple little mistake again. I'm sure you won't. Whatever it was. The practice of medicine is in your heart. Above everything. Yes, I guess it is. Oh, it is. I've always known that. That's why I appointed you. Thank you, Doctor. W when can I speak with Mr. Bennett? Oh, uh, any time you wish. He's lying down in my office. Bennett wasn't the one seriously injured, just knocked out temporarily. He was driving the car. You mean someone else? Oh, uh, our patient? Our patient was a young lady with him. It seems they were on their way out here to the hospital to see one of our interns. She'll be okay. Doctor, who was she? Well, her name's, um, Walker. Cynthia Walker. And that concludes our reincarnation of Letter from Cynthia and another episode of the Reincarnated Radio Podcast. I'd like to thank my cast for helping me bring the script back to life, especially this special Christmas Eve episode. New episodes of the Reincarnated Radio Podcast are released every Thursday and can be found on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and leave us a review. Tell us what you think. Hopefully today we raised a hair or two. But for now, that's it for me, Dave Stishon, and the rest of us at the Reincarnated Radio Podcast, where we scared your grandpappy first. And have a safe holiday and a happy new year. <laughs>